welcome to E-Commerce Innovators, a podcast that brings together the brightest minds in the industry to explore innovative strategies and trends in global e-commerce. Our host is John LeBaron, Chief Revenue Officer at Pattern, the premier partner for global e-commerce acceleration. This is John LeBaron. I am the Chief Revenue Officer at Pattern. Welcome to the podcast, E-Commerce Innovators. Today, we are excited to introduce our guest. His name is Kirilov. He is from Bulgaria, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Rush, an amazing Shopify app. So we're excited to have you on the, on the podcast today, Kirill. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Rush? Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity today. Uh, long story short, Rush was born due to the fact that I was facing so many issues. Back in my dropshipping days, I used to do like a lot of dropshipping from China since 2016 and up until 2019. And at some point, I faced like 200 plus open PayPal cases due to the fact that I was not providing the right information mm. tracking wise uh, yeah. to my customers. And I had to step back. And uh, along with that, uh, our daughter was born. And I was like, listen, I'm going to take like two months to revisit my journey. And then I got hit by my co-founder who approached me. He was back then leading a team of 25 developers for the company Upwork. And he was like, let's build a software. I was like, listen, I've been building landing pages, not like software up until this point. So let's see how it goes. <laughs> That's amazing. So you have a technical founder and you're kind of the business brains of the bunch. And you are in business to kind of solve for the post-purchase experience for a lot of different customers sounds like you guys have been in business just over two years so congratulations on the on the birthday uh thank you for that it's been exactly two years uh, and yep as you said it so we're trying to completely close the gap as i'm saying it between order and unboxing experience uh because we see a great potential in that area and by any means we are trying to build a platform here not like a side gig app that can fix only one issue we're trying to fix all the potential problems in that area. With a thing in mind that we started exploring the order tracking solutions, uh, these uh, integrations with shipping carriers, and the more data that we can collect, uh, the better we're gonna get and provide more information to our integrators, per se, Clavio, Omniscient, and other uh, notification providers coming up quite soon to better build up that communication channel when it comes down to notifying your customers about any events post purchase in regards to their, their parcels. And on top of it, uh, hook them back in your funnel so that you can increase the ALV, the repeat purchase rate, and naturally it's going to kick up the, the retention and the LTV. Yeah. So I think we'll get into that a little bit because it's probably in the spirit of e-commerce innovators, the podcast is probably one of the most innovative things um, that you have done at your company. And, and in turn, in the industry, a lot of really good innovation happening there. Um, but maybe before we dive into that, just tell us a little bit about your background, uh, you know, kind of where you grew up, how you kind of came to this place. It was really fascinating before the podcast started to learn a little bit more uh, about you. And, and I'm always interested in how the journey of people and how they kind of got to where they got to, especially given the fact that uh, to your earlier comment, you're not really a, a technical founder. So tell us a little bit about the journey and getting to where you got. You got it. Uh, I'm going to try to play the short version of my of my story. Sure. But uh, long story short, I used to do track and field a whole lot, like potentially for like 10 years. And uh, throughout that uh, journey, uh, in 2008, I had to face a knee surgery that put me down for almost like a year. 
and I had time to revisit and look up for ways to get some income from the internet, to put it like that. I went on a forum, I scraped uh, a PDF, I go through the whole PDF, then I started selling on eBay. Potentially, I saw the opportunity on Amazon. I was uh, selling on Amazon, uh, selling private label skincare products, but it's going to be retinol creams and, and all that uh, yeah. kind of products in that area. And after that, I was doing SEO of WooCommerce stores. Uh, Shopify was not really that uh, popular back then. And since 2016, I started uh, building my skill set around media buying more specifically around Facebook ads. It was a green opportunity. Right now, it's still a great opportunity regardless of these iOS 14, 15 and the never-ending issues with uh, with Facebook. But uh, I spent I spent quite a bit of money on Facebook ads. All bootstrapped. I was not funded. I didn't really have any connections when it comes down to you know looking for capital and whatnot. And in 2019, I faced these challenges uh, in a in a good uh, form to put it like that. And uh, I was like, listen, I'm gonna just step back, see what, what I can do, you know, moving forward. And I, I was lucky enough to meet my co-founder because he was a friend of mine for seven years. I didn't really meet him, yeah, yeah. but we were speaking about it throughout, you know, a couple of years. And potentially he was like, I can see that you're chilling out on the site right now. Let me take your attention for two minutes. And it was like a, a sky, a, a, you know, a call over Skype for five minutes. And he'll be like, I'm gonna ask you some questions. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, fine. And uh, this is how Rush was born, yeah. out of a Skype call. Yeah, I love it. Well, I think it speaks to kind of the global nature of and the global dynamics of everything from, like you said, Upwork to, you know, kind of this global shared economy to, uh, I mean, eBay, PayPal, the, you know, there's, there's so much happening globally um, across commerce today. And I think it's just fascinating to see the resourcefulness and the innovation and and honestly, you kind of skipped over some really great stuff. You probably just don't want to brag, but I mean, I think you were a very, very good runner. No one runs for 10 years unless they're very, very good. Tell us what that experience was like. I'm sure you traveled uh, maybe all over the world, definitely all over Europe. Uh, tell us a little bit about that part of your life. You're, you're a competitor, right? Rush, I think of like Rush's- Yes, I'm a competitive fast. by nature. I used to be fast back in the days <laughs> and I don't really hide it, but I'm currently slow because I don't keep up with my- with my shape uh, from 2004. Uh, long story short about that uh, area, uh, I was, I think I went uh, on a work and travel kind of uh, in the United States. Then I went back, I was feeling a little bit de depressed about my uh, my weight being like, I don't know what, what is in, in pounds, but it's like it's 120 kilos. Yeah. And I started looking for a coach and that coach, uh, which passed away one year ago at the age of 87, uh, was like a mentor to myself for almost like 10 years. And he was like, listen, you're 23. Uh, I was 23 when I started uh, practicing track and field. And he saw the talent in myself and he keep on pushing me forward, regardless of the fact that a thousand people didn't really believe that somebody out of the blue can come up at, uh, at the weight of 120 kilos and just make progress. In two years, I became a national champion in Bulgaria. I smacked the shit out of my competitors. And then I went <laughs> to the European championship. I, I, I played okay. Uh, I and I was so close to go to the London Olympic Games, to be honest with you. But uh, I eventually I faced that, you know, knee surgery, and it was a great uh, experience, to be honest with you. Because right now, uh, any hours that I'm putting up uh, at the moment in terms of work cannot scare me. It's like nothing. Yeah. Well, I think it's so great, and my condolences uh, to, to your coach. Sometimes those those coaches can honestly feel like parents or grandparents to us because yes. they're so 
close. They're so uh, transformative for us during a very formative part of our growing up. And I love to talk to athletes and former athletes because I think there's just such a innate drive. And, and that's pretty fascinating. I didn't even know that about that story um, that you kind of started quote unquote pretty late for a track and field star yeah. and to be able to rise and, um, and make those, you know, strides, no pun intended is, uh, is really fascinating. So congratulations. Um, well, I think that perseverance that you had in, in that time of your life probably led, you know, starting a company, building a software suite is not an easy thing. And that, that perseverance probably, you know, helped you pretty well. So let's go back to the kind of point of rush and, and how you're innovating for customers today. You talked about solving in that post-purchase experience and tying in all of the carrier information, bundling that up. Um, you know, in our earlier conversation, sounds like you are doing, oh my gosh, it's, uh, what do you say, a million and a half transactions a month right now or something like that? Yeah, a million and a half shipments being synchronized, aka orders through our system. Yeah. So you're getting to that point, especially probably in Q4 when it really starts to go up. You know, you're looking at, I don't know, 15, 20 million transactions. It's a lot of really good data there. Um, and again, just so the listeners truly understand and, and that I understand as well, sounds like you, you know, if customers use the Rush app, then when their customers come and they buy something, not only are, you know, when they go through kind of the checkout process and enter in all their kind of personal information, you are then kind of storing that, making it easier to get all that follow-up. Uh, proactively probably giving them updates if there are any delays or when the shipments are to be expected. Yes. Um, so you're, you're kind of decreasing the tax, so to speak, of, of the post-sales experience from the customers or the manufacturer's standpoint. And then uh, we didn't really dive into this a ton, but a, a huge innovation is really the serving up and trying to predict something else they might want to add to their cart or, or add to another order. Is that fair? Uh, a thousand percent. If I have to uh, explain it a little bit more simpler, think about it like that. The two most visited pages after the buy button, not pre-buy button, but after the buy button, are the thank you page and the tracking page. And this is where the stress is going to come down to these consumers. And we're going to put them in a position to be like, listen, this is what, we, what you can expect in terms of shipping, delivery, etc. But in the meantime, this is what more we have to offer to yourself. And based upon all the data that we're currently collecting in uh, on our database and we have uh, that out at our disposal uh, we can make definitely better predictions whether we want to bundle whether we want to show off for example not 20 percent, but maybe like 17 percent off or even for example get one uh, buy one get one three regardless of the use case and the more that we can put up this a b testing uh, the better we're getting over time and i think that quite soon with what's currently on the roadmap in terms of let's build another a way to one click uh, upsell and downsell technology. Uh, let's provide more, for example, surveys to collect more data on the thank you page, which is going to feed the algorithm further. And uh, eventually we want to turn all the functionality into a 10x, I'm sorry, 10% increase in the overall revenue that anybody's uh, currently pushing from their Shopify stores and maybe other platforms in future. Yeah, super innovative. I guess as you've gone through and done this, I don't know if you got machine learning beneath, you know, kind of doing this and tranching all that different data, all those millions of orders to kind of get a sense across all of your customers. 
how to better inform anything that's been surprising for you and or things that you've were somewhat maybe even counterintuitive or hypothesis that you had that either panned out or didn't pan out um, as you've kind of gone through this and have you know two years of data under your belt uh honestly uh the most fascinating thing is the behavior to be honest with you yeah because people like to to see that the landscape as e-commerce but it's not like e-commerce it's about are you selling supplements? Are you selling skincare? Are you selling clothing and apparel? It's different, you know, ISPs, different customer profiles, different behavior. And you have to book, uh, book it down in different categories. Yeah. Once you go through these categories, then you can see what's a currently repeated pattern and you can make better predictions moving forward. But it's not like I can put up one formula and it's going to fit in all the criteria for any brand out there, regardless of their size, small, medium-sized businesses, big brands. Everybody's coming up with different uh, kind of uh, situations to put it like that. And we can we, we think about our post to shipping notifications flows as recipes. Okay, you're a supplement brand, you're probably selling something which is, uh, how to put it, like using subscriptions, you need to have replenishment flow. On the other hand, a clothing and apparel brand doesn't need it. We wanna plug in other recipes. So different recipes for different cases. And at some point we want to perfectionize the whole post-purchase experience and to make it as one, two clicks in style rush, give us a little bit of information about your current business. And we're gonna recommend what's working right now across thousands of merchants in our ecosystem. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's amazing. Tell us a little bit about the company, how it's structured, how big you guys are, where your employees are, are kind of located. Give us a sense of what that looks like. Uh, of course. Uh, we started uh, a, a little bit aggressive back in 2020, like aggressive as a, as a startup. We, sure. It was bootstrap up until December 2020 when we went live. We used to have like almost like eight full-time developers yeah. for the whole 2020. We ran out of cash. Uh, my partner sold his apartment. It's funny enough. And we were almost like to, uh, how, how, how did people say it? Uh, near to death experience. Yeah, yeah. People are saying it, uh, but uh, the product was really good, and it was um, attracting the right eyeballs per se. Yeah. We were lucky enough to uh, to be backed up right now by some uh, great angel investors. I can name a few because I want to make uh, an ad for themselves as well. Uh, ADP now, who is the ex co-founder of WooCommerce, we have the CMO of Shibab, we have the original co-founders of SMS Bump. So these guys came yeah. up with the expertise, with the knowledge and the connections. And after that, uh, it was really a lot more easier to have some funding uh, to accelerate in terms of uh, uh, the team and the developers. And currently we're distributed. Everybody is remote, like 100% of the team. 50% uh, of, the, of the guys are currently in Bulgaria, growth, marketing, support, you name it. And we have right now like a, a headquarter in Pakistan of some pretty well uh, experienced developers and a few guys from... Uh, Serbia and other places. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't, um, especially given, you know, I'm not sure where we'll be once this podcast kind of airs, but, um, you know, as, as we're interviewing today, the very last day of March, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy right now, right? I mean, we're dealing with this whole kind of conflict um, that's yeah. not too far from you. I mean, again, the listeners are kind of where I'm at. I'm trying to think of like where Bulgaria is actually located you know, east of the Adriatic, you know, bordering the, the Black Sea, probably, you know, you're only a few hundred miles or maybe, you know, three, 400 miles from Ukraine border. 
Tell us about kind of, I know not all of your employees, I don't even know if you have any employees in Ukraine, but tell us a little bit about how this conflict is, um, you know, kind of creating some stress because we're just getting out of COVID. You're trying to double down, you're bootstrapping the business. You finally feel like, oh my gosh, we can, we can get out of this. I see, you know, uh, a path to this. And then all of a sudden the neighborhood's getting shelled a little bit. So tell us a little bit about what that is, is like right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Uh, number one, I definitely feel sorry about all the refugees and all the people that have died in the war or any war on that planet. But uh, Ukraine is like 400 miles away from our country. It's only Romania that is dividing us from the war at the moment. Uh, Bulgaria, let alone, has its own uh, background and history with Russia. So we can't just erase the history like that. But nonetheless... Uh, we're facing a lot of uh, people who are entering the borders and looking to find a place to continue on their life uh, on a peaceful term. And on the other hand, uh, I can quite frankly say that uh, even though I love the the whole internet thing that is currently being developed, yeah. I definitely have a bad uh, feeling about it. And I actually hate the, the media, which is you know putting up so much more fear every single day sure. in different mediums and networks which is not necessary. And this is creating that constraint and, uh, and people are just, you know, getting out of COVID two years, trying to be like, you know, don't go outside and all the aspects of the, of the pandemic. And all of a sudden right now, we don't need to go outside because you never know if somebody's gonna throw a missile on top of my house or out of nothing. And yeah. all these innocent people that have, haven't chosen the war are currently the victims of the war. And, um, as much as we can support them, I don't think that, uh, and I used to say it on other podcasts, but in this case, it's super applicable. Money solves only money problems. You can't solve the problem that somebody's going to have and face a missile on the, on the doorstep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and right now, I mean, what is the overflow of, you know, kind of refugees look like right now? Are you seeing that? Or are you experiencing that in your country? What, is, how do, what does that look like? Yeah, as far as I'm hearing, uh, we're facing at, at least you know, 20,000 people every single day on the border. It's a huge amount of people that are probably living on, uh, sleeping on the border. And once they enter, they need to get dogs uh, to find you know, place to, you know, for the next couple of weeks per se. And usually just because we're getting out of the winter season, uh, some big hotels are opening the doors uh, yeah. for three for these refugees to step in and to find some shelter. Yeah. Well, it's so hard to kind of predict how everything's going to affect the, the local economies, right? The, the national economies, et cetera. I know there's a ton of aid going in there. Um, I've seen even from where we're at, you know, multiple people even actually heading over there right now. I know as a yeah. company, we're, you know, investing some of those um, areas to help those refugees, but it's just such a crazy crisis. And I can only imagine, again, trying to come out of this whole COVID situation and then to be dealt this blow, it's, it's got to be attacks emotionally and, and financially on, on so many different folks. So, um, well, maybe let's change gears a little bit here um, and just talk a little bit just back to this topic of innovation. You know, you've now gone through this, a pretty remarkable experience for yourself personally, kind of, you, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, growing up in the hood, so to speak, or, or at least, you know, going through this area of, you know, not having a ton of connections, probably not even being that involved in the tech scene, yeah, growing yeah. up in this kind of competitive sport dynamic, moving over, helping found this company, having a near-death experience, you know, kind of being able to survive. What recommendations 
would you have to other folks either, you know, in, in your neck of the woods or even anywhere else, you know, you think about all the different places, whether it's in kind of Eastern Bloc side or, or in China or South America or the, even the United States or Canada or whatever, you know, what advice do you have for other founders that are looking to grow their brand on e-commerce? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I haven't I haven't thought about it because it's like a never-ending journey that I'm going through right now every single day. And it's like one task after the other, but uh, three things are coming up on my mind. And I'm actually a victim of myself, uh, of that myself. Yeah. Number one, uh, as a founder or somebody who has to manage a lot of people on a day-to-day -day basis, everybody has to find a way to buy back their time. To buy back meaning that you need to take off your business look from a in outside perspective and see what you have to provide to your current team players and teammates which are going to grow the company and these quotes are not uh, made by accident like people are making the team team is going to make the company you yeah. just need to keep on driving the the vehicle on the other hand uh, the network is your net worth definitely because i couldn't be more happy for meeting these people having them to believe in what we're putting up together and they're going to keep on supporting us uh, with what, what is a good or bad moment. I mean, we're not just, you know, facing this, you know, I'm going to wake up with a cup of, you know, cup of coffee and I'm going to enjoy the sunsets, etc. Like you're going to have 12 hour, you know, shifts every single day, trying to fix so many problems. You're going to deal with so many partners agencies. There's so many moving parts every single day, even right now, I have to remain focused on that podcast. And it's really hard for myself because I've been bombarded with a thousand questions up until 6 p.m. on my end, yeah, which yeah. I need to provide resolutions. And people are waiting for yourself to give them guidance. They don't, they can't really guide through the forest. Like they're like, should I go left or right? Tell me. And you yeah. need to make the better prediction. If you make the, the wrong prediction, it's going to cost you money. You're going to waste time and you're going to face these challenges. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, maybe in that same spirit, like I want to make sure you can get back to A, your family and, and B, that, you know, the company that you're trying to run and be able to answer those questions. Um, you know, from the last kind of perspective, you know, there are a lot of kind of macro trends that are affecting the way brands operate, especially in e-commerce, not to mention, obviously, the whole kind of war situation we just yeah. talked about. But even you know financial markets inflation there's there's regulatory environments happening certainly the supply chain has been crazy disruptive um you know this geopolitical kind of instability happening i mean from your perspective what would you say brands need to focus on delivering to be able to lead out in their industry or you know product segments online i think that the biggest one that i'm, that I'm seeing right now it's the supply chain and not because I want to tighten it up to the software that we're putting up together. It doesn't really matter. But these, you know, huge discrepancies between should I get my stock in 10 days or in 25 days? Is the ship on time? Uh, am I actually being handled from the right warehouses? You know, shipping uh, uh, delivery costs are rising up as well. So it's that uh, unpredictability that uh, you either have to automate and make sure that you're gonna stay on top of your KPIs. But the KPIs that are currently uh, involved into what's gonna move the needle, where it's gonna, you're gonna have you know, problems with your profits, with the gross revenue, with when I'm gonna get more stock coming in and having that inventory in place. So think about having the spectrum of importance when it comes down to 
delivering on time for your customers and also spreading the word out through good copy, your brand voice and tone, and also setting up the right expectations and guarantees and securities. It's, it's like in five uh, minutes, you can build a great brand, but you need to keep on managing the brand every single day and making sure that you can be always up for your customers because they already have a thousand reasons to go on TikTok and go to Amazon and spend their money elsewhere. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations on building an awesome app and an awesome company. I wish you continued success. And it was a fascinating pleasure to sit down and learn more about your history and all of the innovation that you're pushing out to the market. And I wish you only the best, Kito. The joy was also mine, and I enjoyed every single minute out of the podcast. I wish you all the best in future to your company as well, and looking forward to collaborating together. Likewise. All right. Have a good one.